When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tsk, tsk, tsk. Bad move. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. More on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher.
Hey, all you weirdos. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, sometimes true crime, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Pence, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, dude. Man alive. I love it. Um, the old oh. chair is making a lot of noise. Today, by my the chair, way. your chair, no, your chair. well, my chair, probably both, but mine our for chairs, sure. our yeah. chairs, yeah. One of these days, I mean, I don't know how many episodes we are in, mm-hmm. close to eighty. Well, you know, we'll invest in some chairs, which is a great time for me to remind everybody. Hey, guys, if you like the podcast, mm-hmm. you want to keep it alive, support us. Yeah, and get unsqueaky chairs. Yeah, we're gonna start like a new service instead of uh, buy us a coffee. It's gonna be buy us a quiet chair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, how's your week been? I know we just had the Star Wars Day, May the 4th. Man, this week was May the 4th, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And look, I know everyone is just dying for us to kind of just dive into today's topic. But first, I got to say, man, this year's May the 4th. Mm-hmm. Now, for all, for everybody that's not a complete Star Wars nerd like myself, and I guess Tyler, May the 4th is now kind of universally recognized as, quote-unquote, Star Wars Day. Mm-hmm. Because when you say May the 4th, it kind of sounds like you have a little bit of a lisp, <laughs> and you're trying to say May the Force mm-hmm. be with you. So anyhow, uh, this year was amazing, man, because I'm just working away that day, and all of a sudden my phone rings, unrecognized number. Basically, I just let those go to voicemail now. Yep. Then I get a text message from that number that says, hey, I am one of Woodrow's friends, moms i'm like oh okay and now this is when i get something like this in the middle of the day maybe it's because we do crazy episodes like this one maybe it's because i've been watching too much true crime but i meet yeah just complete fear you know everything terrible imaginable that's what i'm thinking so i run downstairs um and and you know talk to my wife i'm like hey i just got a call from uh woodrow's friend's mom and she's like yeah yeah yeah." she she called me too right after i guess and uh Apparently, these two kids, while they're at school, devised this plan for this friend to come over to our house for our sort of Star Wars movie night that we were going to have in the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. So his best friend came over and went out and got them their, you know, whatever their favorite candy was. We had popcorn, candy, Star Wars. And it was just awesome, man. You're just like, it was so cool to like hear these kids talking about well, I mean, this is what color my lightsaber would be and, you know, so cool. this, this, and this. And it's just, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm a girl dad, so we didn't do much. <laughs> hey, man. Jane was I mean, they, they'll, they'll, they'll go in like phases of getting into it, but, uh, yeah. you know, when they come movies, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you and I have talked about this too uh, a bunch of times, as I have with my brother as well. And that's like, we're so, we're, we love Star Wars so much that we think mm-hmm. that we might have just like kind of force fed it to our kids a little bit too early. And so they got tired of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, now, thanks to like the Mandalorian and the Boba Fett show mm-hmm. and the new Obi Wan uh, show that's coming up, they're, they're kind of like reinvigorated and, and, want to want to be a part of it which is really cool yeah I, I have a fear of that too that like you know like really pushing like comics on them which by the way give if, me some good news uh no i wasn't even gonna go into that yet but okay. if you were listening this past saturday was free comic book day so mm-hmm. i'm using a little retro causality here but 
best of luck to you. Hope you get man. Hope cool... you have a good good stack. Yeah, I gotta give a shout out to Galactic Quest mm-hmm. here in North Georgia. That's where Woody and I go to. You know, there's some like frustrations with like every comic shop. Like, I wish they did this better. I wish they did this shit better. But I gotta say, man, as far as the free comic book day thing, they are the best local shop ever. Mm-hmm. You literally should because every other shop that that um uh, we used to go to, like, so before we started the tradition of bringing our kids, which sucks because this year is both of my girls have soccer, so. We get it. We have a game at eight and then another game at nine. So we're going to be coming after the soccer games. But before our little tradition of like getting our, letting our kids dress up and then like bringing them in, mm-hmm. uh, like before the doors open, we I would go with my buddy Johnny and then then we brought Woody on. So it was like mm-hmm. me, Johnny, and Woody. Um, and we would go to like multiple stores and like every other store was like, okay, you get five comics or you get like this amount of comics. It was always like very sort of strict. This shop, Galactic Quest, is like, hey, you, you can have as many as you want. Like if yeah. you're getting some for somebody, feel free to get two. You know, we ask that like you get one for yourself, but like if you're getting some for some, like it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's really, so, really cool. Uh, what else? Is there anything else? I mean, the new uh, Obi-Wan trailer's out now. It looks really oh, cool. I haven't seen it actually. Only a couple weeks until that, that show... Uh, that really? Starts, man. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. God, I'm so I'm so like out of the loop. I'm still getting back into still normal life. Up, yeah, I know. Uh, I I do remember seeing like the little teaser. Um, it wasn't like a trailer though. It was like a. It was kind of like a teaser trailer. But they were like talking about. Oh no 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 no! God, man. Then that means you've missed two trailers. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Because there's like a whole full trailer that came out. Dude, I haven't and seen it at there's all. there's like another one. I'm just excited about Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is, I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, it's not going to be his voice, you know? He's, he's already going to be, I think he's just like for, I don't know, for him to just be a part of it or something. I mean, he's going to be in a suit, but not all the time from what I hear. So, so wait a minute. So I don't even know. Does this pick up after? after. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's it's when it's when Obi Wan see. Dude, you got to see this trailer. This is not going to be. I didn't even know it was out. I definitely will as soon as we get done. There's two of them, man. And dude, I'm telling you, it's going to blow your mind. It's freaking amazing. I can't wait. Especially like I'm so part of the reason why I am super excited about all this is there's so much material, dude, that exists Mm -hmm. in between. Let's say Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Adventures with like Luke Skywalker, and then like this whole like Obi Wan looking after Luke, like at the beginning of a series of these newer Marvel Star Wars comics, <clears throat> they did this thing where it was like the journals of Obi Wan, hmm. and, and like Luke kind of discovers these journals like after Obi Wan has died, mm-hmm. and it's just like him talking about you know watching over Luke, and so there there will be just sort of like so is that what this is. I mean, kind sort of. of. I don't think it's the journals, but yeah, like you're like I, I have been able to see kind of like a couple of the pages that exist in these comics sort of come to life in a way, and it's mm. just man, it's awesome. Yeah, you're you're definitely. Um, I mean, we're we're nerds through and through, but you definitely know more about that sort of extended universe, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the books and stuff that that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're. It's like 
I don't have a chance to listen to a bunch of podcasts because of the nature of my work. Mm-hmm. You don't have a chance to read a bunch of books because no. of the nature of your work, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, we just have to kind of fill each other in. And then that, and then welcome to the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, enough about Star Wars and, and other nonsense. Let's get into this. This is a story that I heard several years of years ago and I kind of questioned if it was if there was really like enough meat on the bone mm-hmm. for an episode and you know once we get into it you'll see what I mean but you know it's it's one of those things that it's a true story it's mm-hmm. we there's physical evidence of what we're talking about mm-hmm. but at the same time it doesn't necessarily have sort of a narrative that like has like an ending it's very it's i mean i guess it's sort of ongoing if you will i mean a little bit i mean uh, here's a couple other things i want to add real quick you know you hear it especially you've been listening to our show for a while every week in in what we talk about in the intro of our show is that we like really typically try to focus on like pre-internet mysteries now Mm -hmm. this is one that's not even just quote unquote, more modern than that, but it's also Mm -hmm. just like less than 10 years ago. And so immediately when we started kind of looking into this, especially right now with my more recent sort of like reignition of my interest into like these weird like true crime stuff, Mm -hmm. like this is fascinating on multiple levels. And yeah. even before we go any further, I think this episode is going to be a mandatory listen for both of our wives because it serves mm-hmm. as the perfect example mm-hmm. of why you don't leave the blinds open. Oh, 100%. That's, I mean, that should be the title of the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think let's kind of break down the, so what you heard the narration at the, at the top of the show was a, a letter that was sent to a family um, back in, what was the year on that? June 2014. Uh, Back in June of 2014. And it kind of kicked off this whole thing that is now, you know, kind of known as the Watcher House or the Watcher. Actually, we're sort of at this uh, serendipitous time of even recording this because in doing the research, we find out that there's actually a show that, I mean, multiple people have been trying to make it, but it's actually going to happen and it's going to be on Netflix late Mm -hmm. 2022. There's so many things about this case and this thing that happened to these folks that's so relatable. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that if anybody that's listening to this has ever gone through the home buying process, Mm -hmm. you know that there are so many different things that can kind of just derail the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Just... And, and it's and it's heartbreaking and it's scary whenever you're buying your first house. And you really kind of, at the end of the day, as, as much as you can kind of do on the front end, you can't prepare for everything, especially mm-hmm. if you're buying a house that's like, you know, not not new construction. And even then, those we, come with We built ours. Yeah. So Which, I didn't. And what's weird is <laughs> there's so many things that these people went through that like, I'm like, oh my God. That kind of happened to me. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I didn't get any crazy letters or whatever. But, you know, that's the kind of, that's how this begins. All right. It, it begins with this this family, the Broadus family, mm-hmm. who in New Jersey. Now, kind of how it begins is is literally one of the first things that I did when my wife and I bought our house. Now, again, ours was originally built in the early 80s. 
But one of the first things that you want to do is like you want to go in, you want to put a fresh coat of paint on there. Just cover up that black mold. You want to change out the locks. Typically, traditionally, I'll say, you get all these things done. You want to look into, okay, what are some of the repairs that you need to have done to, to just, you know, be comfortable and stuff? Well, this guy purchases this house in Westfield, New Jersey, late summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. He's at home one evening painting the house. He goes and checks the, the mailbox. He's got a couple of, you know how it is when you move into a new place. You got maybe there's one or two things still addressed to the previous owner. Mm-hmm. There's like, welcome to, you know, this city. And there's maybe like a postcard from, you know, the local whatever. And then he finds this thickly sort of crummy handwritten card addressed to, quote, the new owner. Mm-hmm. He opens that sucker up and he reads the letter that we sort of showed you at the mm-hmm. top of the show. I, I just got to say, like, it, I mean, I, I, the whole, you know, like like what you were saying, Woody, with like seeing all these sort of uh, like similar aspects of, of your uh, moving into a house, you know, things that you could relate to. I, I also could sort of relate. I mean not in the sense of we have a murderous neighbor, but, you know, you as an adult, especially, um, you know, we're both family men, we have kids, mm-hmm. it, it's real easy to sort of relate. And especially like with us, you know, we, we waited years before we decided like where we wanted to build, you know, we built, we built in a specific area specifically for the schools or some of the best in the nation, yada, 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 all that boring adult stuff. But, you know, it's it's really pretty kind of heartbreaking. You feel really bad because I know for Woody and I both, we're both, you know, you know, we kind of joke about like the never open your blinds, but there is a level of like, uh, I mean, I would say several times a day, I'll just walk over to the window and just sort of, just sort of survey, take Peek check. out, see if there's just, any teenagers like spray painting some shit. Yeah, see what's going on, man. Just making sure that neighborhood's okay. And so, you know, the idea of getting this this letter that it's weird and it's like, I mean, I, I have I have sort of uh, multiple sort of thoughts on what I think it is. And we'll get into that much later. But it, there's like so many things about it that sort of, you know, it makes it feel like, hey, there's danger mm-hmm. at your front door. And, you know, the idea of, of, receiving that letter and and having that feeling before you're even moved you even moved into the house that you just spent 1.3 million dollars you're over the course of that first several those first several months it's like they spent a hundred thousand dollars on just renovations alone and now you get this like you know there's this letter that's that's basically kind of laying out hey there's this like situation and it could be fake and it could be some kind of silly thing or maybe it does have like some actual danger associated with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing as a, as like a dad oh, yeah. or, or a parent, like immediately your responsibility, even if it is something silly, is mm-hmm. to treat it as if it's something that is potentially serious because now it's like your kids and family's safety is sort of, well, not sort of, it's, it's dependent on, on you. Right. And, and so like, I mean, I think too, let's talk a little bit about like, I think it's important to give a little context of the family, right? So mm-hmm. the house that we're talking about, 
the address is 657 Boulevard, mm-hmm. which is in Westfield, New Jersey. Now you can look up the street view of the neighborhood. It's a very mm-hmm. sort of very idyllic, uh, yeah, col- nice. colonial mm-hmm. uh, style homes that are like really, really old that have been built, you know, like, a, you know, I don't know if a hundred years ago, but like. Well, no, this was built, uh, this is like an old. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like 110 years old or something. Yeah, right? it's it's pretty old, yeah. And so that in itself kind of comes with its own set of challenges. I mean, gosh, even, well, at least here in Georgia, I'll speak for that. I don't know much about the, the real estate uh, or city sort of ordinances in New Jersey. But in Georgia, if you buy a historic home and it's on the historic registry, you actually have to apply mm-hmm. uh, for approval if you're going to make any changes to the home. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and so there's like a, the, you know, God, red tape galore. Yeah, it's o- it's almost like the HOA for... On steroids. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on a whole other level, yeah. Yeah, and so like these guys, you know, he is around our age actually when this starts to happen, right? And so 40, like, just turned yeah. 40. And, and he's like just got a new position, uh, you know, senior VP of this um, insurance company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on. I know the feeling of, and, and Tyler, you do too, and, and I think, you folks listening, you know that moment whenever you're like, okay, man, things are clicking. You know, I'm not like a, you know, a poor 20 year old that can only eat at Taco Bell anymore. I, I've got a family I can support. Them. You know, like everything's kind of clicking. I got my own house. I did this. You know, that sense of pride, and not in like a in a bad way, but that you know that that sense of like, man, I accomplished this. Yeah, and, right. and that excitement that these folks must have had moving into this house, and then all of a sudden, like you said. Just on the surface, it would just be weird to get a letter like this. Mm-hmm. But it's like as you start to get through these sentences of this letter, it gets weirder and weirder. And then it becomes like creepy. And then you're like, what? Like the whole I, – I think – do you want to start like kind of picking apart this for this letter? Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I – this, this went on for like several years. So – there's multiple letters, and to me, it's like they get worse I, and worse. Yeah, they definitely get worse and worse, and feel more and more like threatening by each letter. But but at the same time, like it's also sort of like you don't. It, it's very kind of like vague. Like mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know if I'm burying the lead here, but it it's like there there's times where it's almost like this character, this watcher is talking as somebody who's watching the situation but then it'll almost it's almost like it switches narration to like the house itself mm-hmm. which is yeah. which is really Very interesting and, and kind of cool it, almost like making the house a character of in, right right in the story yeah, yeah. which but, almost before felt- we get there dude let's let's break apart this letter mm-hmm. though oh yeah yeah for sure so like e- even just almost at the start here where it's just like at first it starts pretty jovial you know like Dearest new neighbor at mm-hmm. 657 Boulevard. Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. Okay. Okay, cool. And hey, you know, you're standing outside. You got paint all over yourself. You're like, man, cool, dude. This is, because that is kind of a dream. You want to end up living in a neighborhood where your neighbors aren't a bunch of weirdos. Like we've all mm-hmm. seen the movie, The Burbs, right? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. don't want to end up kind of just like hating your neighbors, even if it's just like not a weirdo, but just like, God, man, that guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But then it goes on and it's like 657 Boulevard has been the subject, the subject of my family. Well, wait, before but before that, it even says something weirder. It says, uh, how did you end up here? 
did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force with, from within? So it's like, right off the bat, it's like, what is what is this dude talking about? Like, it, you know? Mm-hmm. But again, still, still kind of nice. Yeah, still not a little, okay, maybe this guy's just strange. Yeah, right. But it's not, you know, I don't feel the sense of danger just yet. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to, you know, it's been the subject of my family for decades. It's approaching its 110th birthday. I've wow. been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Yeah. My grandfather watched the house in the 20s, and my father watched it in the 60s. It's now my time. And, and then it's like, do you oh, even this, know the history of the house? This is the best part. Do you know what lies within the walls? Of 657 like, Boulevard? Mm-hmm. That, that's another thing that's, too, that's a little weird. It's like... He the whoever the narration is coming from literally says six five seven Boulevard. He never says like he. It's like when he's referring to the house, he just continues to like. It's almost like a compulsive thing. Mm-hmm. Reference the address like like it's a person like yeah it's, it's, you know right. Um, and then it's like I've already seen that you flooded six five seven Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tis tis tisk, bad move. You yeah. don't want to make six five seven Boulevard unhappy. Yeah, so weird. What about this stuff? Like you have children. I've I've seen yeah, I've them. seen your children. I, as soon as I learn their names, I'm gonna call to them. And it's like I asked the woods. So the the as we kind of get into this case in the story there's there's several sort of um subsets of of characters right you've mm-hmm. got the um good lord i already forgot these people's last name you've got the barnacles what are they called <laughs> you've got the broadest <laughs> family who who purchased the the home mm-hmm. they purchased it from a couple with the last name woods right and by the, by the way we apologize ahead of time because it's there's a lot of sort of moving pieces and mm-hmm. And families in the area, and neighbors, and da 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 da. So it gets it gets a little confusing. Confusing. I just say confusing. <laughs> By the way, you should. You know, we'll place it in the notes or whatever for the show. But all of this kind of came to the public knowledge from this article in from thecut.com, mm-hmm. and we'll put the the address. It's actually an amazing art, yeah, article. Very well written. Extremely in depth. Yeah, and pretty big too, like a yeah, huge yeah. undertaking. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> we got to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Don't even remember what I was saying. Got interrupted as uh, That works out in my favor. So it also <laughs> says, uh, it, one of the weird comments off the bat that it says, is it says, you know, do you know what lies within the walls of 657 mm-hmm. Boulevard? Super weird. But here's where all that being said with, I've been putting put in charge of watching and waiting for the second coming of 657 Boulevard. Still weird, still weird, but not totally full on danger yet as a dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Although you're I, I don't know. I'd, I'd still be like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I your spider sense is beginning to come up. But the second it says you have children, I have seen them. So far, I think there are 3 that I have counted. Mm-hmm. Uh more on the way? Question mark. To me, that's the, okay, now you're talking about my kids. Mm-hmm. And then he makes reference to them, I guess them, or even just Derek, who's the, the dad, mm-hmm. and his wife. He, he makes reference to, like, young blood. Yeah, he says, do you need to fill the house with young blood I requested? Better, which 
even just that phrase is weird with like the question mark better for me was your old house too small for growing the family or was it greed to bring me your children once i know their names i will call to them and draw them to me full full spidey sense yeah and by the way the envelope didn't have a return address Mm -hmm. it basically just you know ended the letter with like who am i and then this too is whenever like it goes from like spidey sense is on and now i'm like okay where's the shotgun at this Mm -hmm. point because then it says the who am i there are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by uh maybe i'm in one of them and i'm paraphrasing here but like look out at all the windows you can see from 657 yeah maybe i'm in one look out how many windows are in 657 boulevard at all the people who walk by each day again you gotta for reference to this you need to i think go and and look up the street you know we'll post a a photo yeah to me looking at it it's kind of like what i would imagine i mean honestly i didn't even think about this it looks like the amityville house that and so the same style yeah but the neighborhood itself reminds me of the neighborhood in halloween Mm. You know what I'm saying? That like mm-hmm. suburban sort of up north kind yeah. of neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking Ferris Bueller's, but yeah. Well, yeah, Chicago. I mean, that's, uh, I guess, yeah. Naperville. Yeah. Those kind of, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of neighborhoods that we don't really have where we're at necessarily mm-hmm. exactly. Well, well, one thing too, it's it's kind of like, uh, so as we get into it, and we'll get in touch on this more as we go on, but it reminded me a little bit. Uh, so my home, we we built in a neighborhood that was in development. It was, you know, now all the houses are built. But, you know, we're a little closer than I would like. You know, our houses are like fairly close to each other. I mean, we have decent amount of space. But like, Woody, you live uh, in a house fairly separated from your neighbor, which is which mm-hmm. is really nice. And I, I feel like this neighborhood, because you, you – I was able to see like the aerial views and stuff and it feels a little more like your neighborhood. Yeah. Where there's like, it's not like, so if you're doing it intentionally, but are you trying to freak me out, bro? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just saying like, (laughs) like it's not a situation where, so I live in a neighborhood that's like, you know, the houses are are fairly close to each other. So it would be easier for people to like see in, but like Mm -hmm. with this neighborhood, it's like, you know, there's a lot of trees all around your house, you know, each house, and yeah. it's separated with like a decent amount of space, and so, mm-hmm. so the idea that somebody's able to see all this stuff means it, it just it, it's, it's a lot intentional. It's definitely right. it's, intentional. it's like it's less sort of by accident, it's right? More just straight up intention. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. You kind of you kind of have to go out of your way for sure to mm-hmm. to be able to see the things that this person is seeing. Yeah. So just like any sort of, I think, reasonable person would do. Immediately, this guy Derek uh, brought us mm-hmm. immediately. After reading this, he, he just calls the cops. Mm-hmm. And I remember something that just literally almost made me spit my coffee out when I read it was, it says the an officer came to the house, Derek hands him the letter, and the officer reads it, and he says, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is the most New Jersey thing I could yeah. ever imagine, right. imagine a cop and, doing And I saying. think this is, are you talking about what Leonard? What the fuck is this? <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Like if I was casting a movie, or or, or no, I got one. Let's just say there's like a you know like a uh, a casting call for New Jersey cop, mm-hmm. and it just says you handed this letter. What do you say? What the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? Hey, take it easy, sweetheart. <laughs> All right. So 
obviously the cops are like, okay, do you have anybody, do you have any enemies or, or anybody that you know that might be out to get you? I'm sure they asked, you know, is there anything kind of going on outside of your marriage that we need to know about? All, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All this stuff just on the front end. And the answer was no. I, yeah. It, to I also could sort of relate to the frustration of, you know, the cop saying, he basically instructed them to, or the detective rather, just um, instructed them to not say a word to any of the neighbors mm-hmm. because now all of those neighbors are possible suspects. Right. And and I can imagine Derek, the dad, I can imagine hearing that from a detective, even though like I understand like what he's saying, mm-hmm. hearing, okay, now the entire neighborhood around you that we're, that we just spent over a million dollars to move into is now full of suspects, right. which is kind of scary. Sucks. It yeah. also sucks, man. It does right? suck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, also another thing that they did, you know, pretty uh, toot sweet, as they would say, is he immediately emailed the people that they just bought the house from and said, hey, man, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this, you know. The woods. M- yeah, the woods. I don't know if this means anything to you, but we just got this weird letter. Did you guys get anything like that? Because I think in this first letter, the watcher does make some sort of reference to like, I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Yeah, right. Just looking at it face value, it feels like, okay, this person has been in communication, whether the woods knew it or not, mm-hmm. knew that this, whoever this person was. But it sounds like this person had been in communication with the woods, mm-hmm. asking about n- maybe new ownership or right. or whatever. And so the woods the woods say, yeah, we got to let, we, we, you know, I think, a couple days before they moved out, mm-hmm. they right. got a letter, but they just kind of threw it away and ignored it. Like, what the heck is this? I don't know. Yeah. You know? Well, they did say that the note had been odd, she said, and made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over time. Andrea Woods, uh, the wife of the couple who had previously lived in the house, she and her husband both assured Derek that they had never received any weird letters or you know, had anything that was sort of out of the ordinary like that in over 23 years. And they just, they threw the letter away without any thought. Man. Which, man, I would love to read that letter. Mm-hmm. And what stings too, folks, is, you know, it's kind of hard to find. For for the longest time, like Tyler said, you know, the cops didn't want, they didn't want the Broaddus family talking about it with anybody. Because at the end of the day, one of the easiest ways, and I know this from not just watching Columbo, but uh, a lot of this other true crime, uh, one of the easiest ways to kind of figure out that someone is a person of interest, at least, is if they provide a detail in questioning right. that isn't public knowledge, right? And mm-hmm. so I think in hopes that that might happen here, you know, again, they didn't want anybody talking about it. So for the longest time, these letters were not public at all until, honestly, this article by The Cut came out. Mm-hmm. That's when... It was like the first time that so much of these letters were kind of uh, released. And so yeah. it's kind of hard to to kind of get it all in, in one spot here. But And, and um, by the way, this, this particular article came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. So. so a couple of weeks after this, uh, oh, even before, hold on, even before this, dude, this is insane. So after this letter, the Broadduses were pretty freaked out. Mm-hmm. One afternoon, Derek was kind of giving a tour of the renovations to some of the neighbors, which I can also relate to. My wife and I did some renovations at our home mm-hmm. and the people that had lived in this neighborhood, in our neighborhood for like 30, 40 years, 
were like wanted to see what we were doing. And so I understand that. And so that's what he was doing. He was kind of like showing people around. And one of the neighbors said, just kind of nonchalantly, oh, you know, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Now, mm. weird, mm-hmm. certainly coincidental. It's not like I haven't heard that kind of phrasing before, you know, like mm-hmm. when we moved in to our neighborhood, my wife and I were like the youngest people in the thing because previously it was like a retired, like mostly just retired folks in this, in this lake neighborhood. So we were the youngest couple. We were the only couple with like small children at first. And so everybody was super excited, like, oh, yay. Blah, blah. I'm, I'm almost positive someone said something like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, boy, yeah. after reading that in a letter and then all of a sudden someone says that to you, it's like, huh? Yeah, high alert. Right. So a couple, um, okay. <laughs> I, I also got to say, just to, just to add some, just another sort of side of that. I did used to work at the hospital with a guy named Broderick, Broderick Broadus, who was an older black man who used to call me young blood. So maybe right. it was something as simple as that. Yeah. I, you know, maybe, but you know, as we'll kind of come to see. He also called knows. me Bishop tight pants because I used to wear like skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. Old Bishop tight pants. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a couple weeks after that, ladies and gents, a second envelope arrives. Mm. And here's what it said. After these messages, we'll be right back. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. workers have been busy, and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. I am pleased to know your names now, and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly see their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. 
It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and to track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I'm the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Jeez. Jesus. Oh my gosh, man. That one, that... I mean, that, that is way more scary because yeah, now, I don't know if you folks noticed this, but not only did he just crank it up, but he also, like, slips in their last name at the end of the letter. Now, mm-hmm. he actually misspelled it in the letter. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting thing to me. Do you hmm. want to know what I think just right out of the gate there? Hmm. The first thing I think of, and, and I didn't really, I, don't, I didn't find anything like this in any of the research or the article or whatever. But immediately I thought, okay, <clears throat> yes, people can kind of see into this house potentially easy. The way that he keeps on making reference to things in the walls mm-hmm. and being able to, at the very least, hear what their name is because let's face it i don't know if listener you know this but it's relatively pretty easy to find out someone's last name at an address all you got to do is look up the public record which is typically on the county website and boom for the most part you can do that Mm -hmm. okay so in other words they'd be able to know how to spell the last name but by misspelling it Mm. it makes me think that at the very least, maybe there's some audio equipment. I thought of that too, yeah. And also some video equipment. Because like if this was 1980 or God, 1960 or something, mm-hmm. we'd be having a little bit of a different conversation in terms of what we think is going on here. But 2014, the technology is small enough. And in my mind, there could be like hidden cameras and audio equipment that this person maybe set up when people weren't there or, or or maybe it has been there for like a long, long time. Maybe this is some weird, like sick voyeur who, mm-hmm. you know, has all this stuff hooked up and doesn't even have to be, you know, walking around outside to be able to see inside or be able to hear what's going on in there. He, he can hear the names of these people. He can hear the names of the kids. Mm-hmm. He can kind of figure out what's going on. I don't know. It's the first thing that popped into my head, especially that he keeps on referencing things in the walls and also knows their name, but doesn't know how to spell it. Well, and that also sort of lends credence to like the, uh, which in a way is even more scary because now it shows, oh, it's not somebody who just looked on the public record, found the name and is like some real estate agent who's pissed that they didn't get the sale or or something like that. It's somebody who 
is basically going off of all the stuff because of like what they're hearing. They heard the name Broadus. They didn't, right. you know, l- do a bunch of research and find it at the courthouse. W- one thing that is interesting that I think we should say, like what he was saying, the the, the technology, you know, it, it's funny because in, in 2022, you know, almost everybody I can think of has a ring camera or a nest or, or whatever. We, we have ring, mm-hmm. simply safe. You know, it's it's really common and it's gotten a lot cheaper also. So that's pretty common. So I know the first, you know, the first thing I was thinking is like, why don't these people just get like a ring camera? But, you know, the guy ends up doing like a full security kind of lockdown. He ends up buying like full on security system, mm-hmm. uh, ends up doing all this stuff and, you know. Cameras, like all that stuff. Yeah, the whole deal. And apparently he sort of became, am I jumping too ahead? No, 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 no. You're good. He kind of became a little obsessed, even to the point that, you know, he met with the the writer of this article and was basically, you know, showed him a table full of all these documents. And, and he said he spent most of his time in a dark room just watching the cameras all around his home, mm-hmm. which I could totally relate. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing the exact same thing. Part of the reason why he became a like sort of taking it on his own uh, sort of shoulders is because like they had worked with the police. Mm-hmm. The police, I mean, look, as, as you start to like think about this, it's like, man, if you can just send an anonymous typed letter. Right. Like, yeah, we, it's typed. We didn't say that either. Yes, yeah, not handwritten other than the the outside of the letter. But the inside, the actual letter is, is typed, and then the the sort of "quote unquote" signature, the watcher, is is done with like a cursive font or whatever. Mm-hmm, but like right. you know, this guy's getting frustrated because he feels like the authorities aren't looking into it as fast as he would like them to. Whether or not they were, you know, who knows? But well, know, they they also it's a concerned citizen, a dad, a mom, mm-hmm. uh, help anybody, right? You're going to be kind of frustrated. And not thinking that it's moving quick enough, you know. Hell, I don't even like standing in line, uh, you know, at the grocery store yeah. when there's like somebody that's like, uh, "Can I get a?" And I've got like one thing, man. That's or if it. you're in I've line at like thing. Starship or that store that you go to, God, you're the worst. Um, you're. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want any handcuffs. Just, give, God. just ring it hey, up. Ty, hey, Ty, they got a great deal on these, uh, and so. Toys. Just completely derailed. Derailed. Okay. <laughs> but let me let me just add one little thing before you go on. Yes, that was the thing. My first question was, well, why don't you just set up cameras and watch somebody dropping it off the mailbox? But you yeah. soon find out that they're all typed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a little weird, uh, like what he was oh, saying, there's like a, said it. a cursive sort of sign off at the end. But the interesting thing is they're actually being mailed mm-hmm. there from a post office that's in Kearney, New Jersey, or the Kearney, like, distribution center mm-hmm. in northern New Jersey, like, you know, fairly close. Yeah. So not only is the guy or girl, whoever this this character is, not only are they sending these things and they're typing them, so obviously there's no sort of, you know, writing or what is it called? Like the handwriting analysis stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they don't have any of that to go off of. But he's also... Uh, dotting every I by then, like, even if he is next door, he's then mailing it. He's dropping it off at the post office. So then it's all like, it's just, it's almost nearly impossible to find. So I kind of get it that the police would be like, 
you know, and they did tell him early on, like, there's probably nothing to worry about. Right. Which would have infuriated me. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And, but look at it from their point of view. Of course, yeah. And and I'm not just like saying like, hey, man, will I back the blue? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm saying, are there lazy detectives and police officers? For sure. Do Mm -hmm. they get calls all the time? It's like, I saw a weird guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, all you got to do is log into nextdoor.com for a second. And literally, you're going to see what typically police probably would have gotten back in the day constantly. Mm -hmm. But- from their perspective, I mean, think about it. Let's just for a second pretend like you're the detective, not just you, Tyler, but the listener, right? Well, what would you do? Now, you tell me about this, the fact that they could buy a trench figured coat. out. What's that? I would buy a trench coat. <laughs> Step one, first buy a trench first. coat. Yeah. Step two, buy a new composition notebook strictly for this. Start smoking cigars. Yeah. No, continue <laughs> smoking cigars. The, uh, start smoking more bit. cigars. More cigars, black coffee all, all day. There you go. Okay, that's all you drink. There's no, you don't, it has water in it. That's plenty. Yeah. All move, you drink is coffee. The 10% of your monthly diet from quick trip to ketos, yeah. make it a hundred percent. That's hundred percent quick trip to ketos. Yep. You, um, buy an old like 92, like Toyota mm. uh, or, or like an old, like Ford, you know, like real boxy car mm-hmm. sedan. Yeah. yeah. Make the, make the, rip some, like you got to dirty it up a little bit. Yeah, and then and then whenever you're not smoking the cigar, you still got one in your mouth though. It's, it's just soaking wet and soggy, but it's still there. Yeah. And whenever you talk, you kind of like have to squint one eye, one one yeah. eye, mm-hmm. and this has gone too far. Okay. Oh well, real quick first, and also it's mandatory that you smoke the cigars in the car with the windows up. Windows up, <laughs> and always approach every single moment of your day narrating aloud. So even whenever you're just oh, like wow. standing next to someone, you're just like. And there I was, standing there. Mm, mm. Didn't know if I was any closer to the criminal, but I sure felt like it. And you, you said know, it stuff in, like that. into one of those like little mini tape recorders holding mm-hmm. it up to your mouth. And especially like you always make everyone think like you suspect them. So then you're like, hey, how's it going, Terry? And they're like, good. <laughs> then you lift up the, then you're like, you give them like a curious look. You get the tape recorder out and you just go. Terry had a funny look on his face. <laughs> and then put it back in your pocket. And As you're sort of like kicking his tire, looking around his, mm-hmm. his vehicle. Mm-hmm. You ask him to look underneath his fingernails. Anyway, oh, yeah. what I'm saying is, Good. boy, that, that, um, that, that went on. Forever. What you just but, heard, folks, is the basis for all of Woody and I, uh, all of the humor that mm-hmm. that we like. It's just that random little hypothetical, silly nonsense that we just said. It'll just keep on going. It, we could go for days. Mm-hmm. Continue. Where would you start? You know, like maybe if, if maybe you would start with, hey, does the post office have security cameras? I mean, it's 2014. Probably they do. Maybe they can just look for well, everybody that came into that post office and uh, on the date that it was posted. But what about the drop-off boxes? Yes. Yeah, what that, about like, you know, there's just the so much to it. I mean, well, but but also it said it was processed at the distribution center. So mm-hmm. technically you could, they could have dropped it off at a box anywhere. Yeah. A lot of those places just, they'll just have like a post office box, you know, just on the side. There's no cameras there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that this person could have, could have done it. And as a, as a detective, you know, I would have gotten frustrated with the case also, but like, what can you do? So yeah. that's all that to say. This guy took it into his own hands, be, became, you know, according to the wife even, really just sort of obsessed with it, as as, as would I and as would you, right? I mean... And this is where the on. story takes a turn because he becomes 
a vigilante. Yeah, he puts on, he dons the, uh, he dons the cape and then... Uh, cape no. and the cowl. <laughs> As you can potentially imagine, these folks are kind of like beginning to be at their wit's end. Mm-hmm. The problem is they've made this huge financial investment and you can't really just easily back out of that yeah. super quick. Well, well um, and so I guess at this point, I don't know if you've made it clear, but at this point they're not in the house. It's being renovated all to hell. I mean, they're spending, like I said, it it eventually, they ended up spending $100,000 on just the renovation. And I think that was before they ever moved in. It it does feel, by the way, that second, the second letter does feel a lot more, it's like this character is leaning in a lot more to like the greed, to the, this is where, what I was talking about at the top of the episode, where it starts to feel like, it kind of starts to take the house itself as like the narrator, mm-hmm. you know, in a in a weird way. It kind of like flip flops back and back and forth, you know. Yeah, or or almost like this is where I begin to think. Okay, this is when like actual, it's not just like creepy weirdness. Like there's some anger here, right? Right? Is is it somebody that wanted to buy the house? Is it somebody that's just been in the neighborhood for a long time and just pissed off because quote unquote new money is moving in? Which I mean, guys, that does happen. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of like older folks that have been and had generations of family in a neighborhood, you know, they worked hard for that. They, la, 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 la. It took them a long time to be able to get to that level. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and so like when they were 40, they probably couldn't have afforded a $1.3 million home. Well, but also. And now they see this like youngster doing it and they're like, there could be some animosity. There could be some, some, yeah. uh, you know. Right. Well, also, also, I mean, the house, it was built in 1905. So, you know, especially if this guy, I keep saying guy, sorry, this person is, and let's be honest, it's probably a guy. Most most weirdos like this typically mm-hmm. fall onto the side of males. Right. But this person, you know, he, he's talking, you know, at some point he's talking about how he used to run through the halls of the house, mm-hmm. how the 60s were good years for the house when he Mm -hmm. used to run through the halls. And so it's like, you know, obviously he has uh, some sort of nostalgia for the house. He used to play in the house. He talks about his grandfather watching over it. And so I don't really, I remember when I first heard about this, I just sort of assumed that, that when he's talking about his grandfather watching it in the twenties, his father watching it in the sixties, I assumed that he was talking about almost like a, like a groundskeeper maybe, or like, Mm. So, like somebody who sort of takes care of everything, you know, because back in like the 20s, 50s, 60s, you know, that would have been probably a little more common. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't as common as now where it's like, oh, we have somebody who comes out to do our, I, they just came. Somebody who comes and like cuts our grass and sprays for weeds and stuff. You would have like one guy that kind of does does it all and would also mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to fix the faucet in the bathroom. I'm going to, you know, you'd have, it would sort of like a groundskeeper, but would also sort of like a handyman as well. That was, that was a little more common. So I assumed that, that he was talking about this. Now that we're doing this and it's been a little more immediate research, I'm wondering if he's saying this in the sense that like his father and grandfather were also just sort of weirdos and would just mm. watch, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it could be like just like a freaking family tradition of weirdness. Yeah, I which, mean, and, and the there's way, a lot of things within. Yeah, and we're gonna get there. Right yeah, now. a lot. There's a lot of things within these first two letters mm-hmm. that indicate this is somebody close by. 
and not just close by, but in the neighborhood, and not just in the neighborhood, but in a lot of ways, close. maybe a direct neighbor. Right. The first letter was actually postmarked June 4th, which was before the sale of the home was public. Mm. In fact, the prior owners, the Woods family, had never even put up a for sale sign. Mm -hmm. And so the letter had already... So because, it's again, neighbors had talked a lot back in the day, they, it was somebody that already knew the home yeah. was going to be for sale before it was even publicly known. Which makes the second letter, the section where it says, the Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. Right. That sort of puts even more sort of credibility behind that. I'm not saying that they moved because of some guy, but it just makes it even weirder. Yeah. You know. So essentially one of the excerpts from a letter, and I think in a lot of ways, even as much as they had released publicly, they also kind of redacted a little bit because they wanted to keep the kids' names yeah, out of it. Mm -hmm. Because apparently even they locally were getting teased because of all this and stuff. But one of the letters says, The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard. When I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Six Five Seven Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Jesus. Whew. Holy cow. So, aye, aye, aye. so after the second letter was sent, I don't think we said this you when the second letter was read, but when Derek received that second letter is when him and his wife made the decision to stop bringing the kids there at mm. all. And so this is what this character is referring to now is, you know, he's still seeing all this renovation happening, but suddenly, you know, the quote, young blood, all the kids are no longer showing up. They're, you know, nobody's there to sleep. Nobody's there to even be around. Right. And I, I think at this point they had 
Derek and his family had moved back in with his wife's Maria's in-laws or her yeah, her parents. She was originally from she was originally from this area. Right. You know, after this, the Broadus family did everything in their power to pursue legal action. Mm-hmm. First, they kind of went uh, after the Woods family, kind of claiming that they may have known what was going on. In, in the midst of all this, too, I think it's time that we start talking about the the suspects. Because I think like the legal stuff, like whether or not like the town council didn't want them to make any changes, they, the Broadus family like tried everything in their power to just make lemonade out of a lemon or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, and at the same time, like, I mean, maybe the Woods did know something about it, which which kind of sucks. Yeah. But at the same right. time, maybe they didn't know anything about it. And so I can see sort of both sides of like, whoa, why is this dude suing me? Because now he's getting like all these letters that we know nothing about, right. you know? And and so you can kind of see like the complexity of it here is, is God, I mean, it it just sucks for for everybody involved because like, you know, if you're the Woods family, mm-hmm. like you said, well, like it's not my fault. Right. You know, but then if you're the broadest family, it's like, well, it's not our fault either. Like, what's going on here? Somebody tell me something. There's no way that this just happened. Did you have any neighbors in the neighborhood that were just kind of a little bit crazy? Well, right. as they started to ask these questions, you know, they kind of they kind of found something interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because again, so many of these details that would happen in the letter where the the the, the watcher would make reference to seeing the kids like using this art easel mm-hmm. and would even, you know, name the kids and all this kind of stuff. And, and by the way, the easel was apparently almost nearly impossible to see if you were a neighbor, unless you were literally right beside their house. Right. And so the dad who was obsessed, right? Mm-hmm. You, you talked about it earlier where he, in meeting with this author that wrote this article on the cut, like he talked about how, well, he brought in like all these like diagrams of, this house can see through here, like all the possibilities yeah. he kind of like mapped out, you know, and in talking with some of the neighbors, come to find out there was a family that lived, well, the, the, this family called the Langfords, mm-hmm. all right, the mom who was in her 90s at the time, right, and several of her adult children who were in their 60s all lived in this house, and the house was literally- I thought it was right next door. Not only just next door, but next to where the easel right. was- Right. On the porch. And the family had lived there since the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And get this. Remember, folks, that the Watcher's father, in the letters, he makes reference to the fact that the Watcher's father mm-hmm. had been watching, but that he had, you know, died. Well, Richard Langford, the, the dad, the patriarch of the Langford family, died 12 years earlier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Watcher had said that they had had this new job of watching or whatever for the better part of almost two decades, which kind of lines up. Mm-hmm. To kind of add more sort of insult to injury here, one of the children, a guy named Michael Langford. Mm-hmm. Who's in his 60s. Who's in his 60s. No longer a child. Also, no longer a child. Also said to, I think, suffer from mental health mm-hmm. issues. I think maybe even schizophrenia. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole f- family thing feels, I mean, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag because it's not like, oh, our mom is in her 90s. Let's move back in and take care of her. It's like these people are in their 60s and they Mm -hmm. have just lived all together. Yeah, I think one of the other neighbors had kind of described this Michael Langford guy as kind of a Boo Radley character. Right, yeah. And that 
sometimes they would kind of see him just like peering into a neighbor's window. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like, this is where we're going to kind of break into some of the suspects, I think. Well, well, Um, also, just before I move on from the Langfords, there was like a repairman or something there that noticed uh, while he was doing some, some work on the outside of the house that there were like two lawn chairs set up sort of surprisingly close to their property line. The chairs weren't facing their own house. They were facing the Broadus's house. Right. And you're talking about the Langfords. The Langfords, yeah. So there's a bunch of like things that are just straight up weird mm-hmm. that pointed authorities to uh, the Langfords. Now, they were suspects in the midst of all this too. Again, the Broadus's were sort of fed up with the local authorities. They were not really getting anywhere, no traction, nothing. You know, Michael Langford, I think, had been brought in for questioning. They didn't really, Mm -hmm. you know, hear anything. They actually hired a private investigator. And also Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who also served as, I mean, this is nuts, the inspiration for Clarice Starling Mm. in The Silence of the Lambs. And and also hired a lawyer to basically confront the Langford family also. Oh, yeah. And so they had another FBI agent who conducted like a threat assessment. They did some, um, they basically profiled the author of the writing. Mm -hmm. What they found was that in the writing, it certainly seemed like it was from like an quote, older writer. Right. Because of some of the things that they noticed within the letters, like what, you know, they called like little ticks and tells, Mm -hmm. like the envelope was addressed to M slash M Bradis. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it was all double citations, spaced, I think. Yeah, double spaced sentences made reference to the day's weather. I mean, like old school sort of literary norms. Probably how you and I write. Exactly. <laughs> also, a surprising lack of profanity is something that the right. FBI agents noted. And given sort of that level of intensity and anger that the letters would sometimes have, mm-hmm. without that sort of bad language, not only does that point to an old-fashioned kind of... A little cleaner. Clean mindset sort of thing, but also that potentially the the writer may have been like sort of, again, using their words, less macho. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. well, let, let's go down the list of, of potential suspects. You've got the Langfords and or Michael Langford. Mm-hmm. Which, which, by the way, the their lawyer, a fellow by the name, uh, Lee Levitt was the attorney that they had who met with the members of the Langford family. And the Langford's attorney and, you know, they showed them the letters along with all the photos and they explained how, where they live, that was one of the few vantage points that they would be able to see certain angles in the house. Apparently the meeting grew tense and they kept insisting that Michael was innocent. And so, you know, it's like you can only go so far. I mean, aside from the Langford's and Michael Langford, there was a bunch of different suspects, including like maybe a jilted mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, mm. guerrilla marketing for a horror movie. I thought this was funny too. Mall goths having fun. <laughs> um, but there was like a bunch of like weird things that would happen. Some Reddit users that were like obsessed over like the Google map view, which shows like mm. this car parked in front of 657 Boulevard said that they could see a man holding a camera in the driver's seat. I looked it up. This image is now from 2020, so I don't know if it's the same one that these Reddit users had seen. Whoa! But there is a there is a there is a car right now in the Google Street View, parked in front of 657 Boulevard, but you can't see right. any anybody in there. It, it looks like something might be going on in there, but it, I don't know. Wow! 
one thing that I found interesting too was this private investigator that they hired one night. He was kind of just like staking out the the area, mm-hmm. and it's late at night, and he notices this suspicious car like kind of pulls up and stops pretty close to the house, and it stays there for quite a while. So he takes down the information and the license plate and all this, figures out that this car is registered to a young lady who, whose boyfriend... Oh, right. This is cool. ...like lived on that same block. Mm-hmm. But at, at the time, and this is where it gets a little vague, at the time he wasn't living there. So I don't know, essentially I took that to mean like maybe his parents owned a home there. Mm-hmm. And because, again, all this began to really start to fester and become more and more public and you know, newspapers covered it, even national news covered this mm-hmm. before it was all said and done. And so I think for the the benefit of that person's privacy, they never really said the girl or the boyfriend's name or the family that I guess he came from. But essentially they invited him and he agreed two times to come down and interview and he never showed up. Now, did you, the girlfriend said, yeah. yeah, the girlfriend said that she's like, well, I mean, my boyfriend's into like these really dark video games. Yeah, I think one of them's, even called The Watcher. <laughs> yeah. Now, so many people online, and this is so funny, so many people, especially on the, in any of the Reddit threads, talk about how, like, I think she meant The Witcher. And just imagine how pissed you would be as the boyfriend being like, dude, I don't, what? Yeah. I play a game called The Wa- the Witcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Although, like, I mean, I, I think that, like, that's the coolest part of, of that sort of cast of characters. But... I don't know. I, I feel like the age doesn't add up, mm-hmm. you know. It, I mean, if that is, you know, if whatever the narrator is, is uh, if they are telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of coming back to Michael Langford, you know, he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm. He'd been known to kind of spook newcomers by doing strange, strange things like being seen, like walking through their backyard or, you know, peeking into windows of the homes as they're being renovated and stuff. And so it's not unlike that behaviorally to uh to have happened but you know as they were looking into this the private investigator discovered something like really surprising and that is that when they conducted a dna analysis because if you think about it again going full circle back to the very sort of beginning-ish of this episode Mm -hmm. when we talk about like what on earth can they try to do to figure out who the heck this is i mean i guess a dna analysis would be one of them. So they did one on the envelope and determined that the DNA that was found on the envelope belonged to a woman. Mm. They tried to use that to, you know, begin to eliminate potential suspects. I think they probably tested it against the Broadduses, both Derek and his wife. Mm-hmm. I think her name's Maria. Maria, yeah. And to kind of eliminate them, you know, mm-hmm. but <laughs> kind of shadily. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. Possibly illegally. They obtained Abby Langford, Michael's sister, Mm -hmm. her DNA. And the way that they did it was she essentially, I think she was like a real estate agent, which is also interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also worked at a local Lord & Taylor shop. Mm -hmm. And the private eye coordinated with a security guard there at the mall or whatever. Just shady Dude. (laughs) And they snagged a plastic water bottle that she'd been using during one of her shifts. Mm Mm-hmm. And come to find out, the DNA sample did not match. Yeah. So, but yeah. you know, it is like as cool as that is. I I kind of feel like. Oh, and by the way, sorry, 
I misspoke. It wasn't the private eye. It was actually the detective that was working on the case. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I don't I don't think that that discounts a lot of it because like, you know, the the DNA from the envelope was like, okay, well, how many hands did it? Yeah, touch Yeah, and and I mean, hell, maybe it wasn't like shut all the way, and some lady at the post office licked the envelope, or you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I I'm guessing that's. That was where the DNA came from, whoever licked the envelope. And, and then it was around that time that the detectives that actually worked, the, the official prosecutor's office, essentially, they didn't tell, initially, they didn't tell the Broadduses how, but they said, you know, we've ruled out the Langfords as, uh, as suspects. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were just, like, shocked and, and frankly, pissed, probably. Well, and, and also the, I, I believe it was the detectives, they ended up talking to the Langfords again and after they sort of had a talking to with them, I guess, they then told the Lugo guy, the detective, the original detective, he went to them and said, you're, you're pr- pretty much not going to get any more letters. Like, we talked to Michael. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the second letter came after that. So I do think that, again, I don't, I don't know. We still don't really know who it is. But I don't think somebody, especially if, they're, if they are or do have sociopathic tendencies mm-hmm. somebody's a little off like this michael character i don't think that would be enough to like stop him from sending the letters just because the cops came and right you know what i'm saying it, it just well and i mean at, in in a way it kind of did and even though there was all these suspects the broadduses you know continued to spend time money trying to figure it out mm-hmm. in addition to that they were trying to figure out because at this point they're just 100% not living in this house. They've essentially now right. abandoned ship, <laughs> so to speak, and they're just not moving in. Yeah. They're trying to figure out now how they can make this investment pay for itself in some way, whether that's sell it to someone else. They even brought an idea to the city planning board or whatever to where they were going to kind of split the property into two, mm-hmm. sell it to a developer who could come in, demolish the house build up two, you know, duplexes or something that got shot down real fast. Yeah. And if you've ever been, if you've ever had the benefit of going to a city planning meeting, I, I it's something that I highly recommend because it's just super interesting mm-hmm. because you'll see some old timey folks, man, get real mad about stuff yeah. and, and then just pull things out from thin air. I'll give you a quick personal example. There is kind of relatively close to where we live. They're going to be building luxury condominiums. Well, the folks on that side of sort of the community, were, it doesn't affect me almost in any way, but kind of a couple miles down, they're super pissed. And we're friends with some folks that live out there. So we were like, yeah, we'll come support at the um, at the first meeting. Mm-hmm. We get there to the first meeting. It's super interesting. You know, you, you rarely get a chance to kind of really peek inside local sort of city mm-hmm. or, or county level government, you know, and so it was kind of neat. But then you got somebody and it's like, okay, at this point we open up the floor to... Um, Anybody to kind of state their case as to why? So you've actually had this like presentation by the developers and now you get citizens to kind of come up and tell their two cents. This guy, dude, this guy comes up and he's like, I've been living here. My family's lived here for over 60 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was a little boy, I used to play in them woods. I used to play in them all the time. My dad told me one time when I was little, hey, this used to be a Cherokee burial ground. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there in the seat going, oh, boy, I hope he's got something better than this here. He's like, so I'm just saying, you know, you come in there with your tractors and your bulldozers 
hey, we, I think we, we need to contact the Cherokee Nation. My dad said, and I'm just like, you're, you're interrupting the whole thing because your dad told you one time? Well, you were also heard. probably thinking, I just told Woodrow that there was a Cherokee. No, dude, I couldn't wait. By the way, that was the, la- that was the last meeting I went to because I was like, boy, these folks don't have a prayer. <laughs> uh, they're gonna, yeah. That thing's getting built, yeah. you know? Anyway, I can see this kind of happening to these folks. You know, they're wanting to build in something new. Well, especially the, being on the historic record. Yeah, man. I, you know, and yeah. I would have sided in a way with the, the neighborhood, you know, look, you're going to kind of change things and it, it's just not, it's not good. And then, you know, there's a reason why these things are in place to keep kind of that stuff from happening. But essentially these folks are back at square one. They've got a DNA sample mm-hmm. that maybe it was a, a girl, but I mean, like you said, dude, how many hands does the letter yeah. touch by the time it gets into your mailbox? There were just kind of like, it seems like they were just grasping at straws in terms of, of, of suspects. One of the main theories, though, and I know you don't like this one, but here we go. Demons. No. Aside from the suspects and the theories that it was the, the different people that we kind of talked about. Hey, Woody, real one quick. The main, uh, I hate oh, to boy. do this, but it is a little time sensitive. <laughs> We will return after these messages. Okay, go ahead. The theory that I don't like. Yeah, the theory that you don't like. So aside from like all these folks that that could have been sort of like suspect but never were proved that it was them and there's, you know, whatever. One of one of the theories that a lot of people have including neighbors and the neighborhood and stuff was that all of this potentially was created by the Broadduses. Stupid. Well, and there's a couple of different reasons why. Number one, well, buyer's remorse. You know, you know, they they kind of came into this thing potentially, you know, and but you're going to have buyer's remorse while you're spending an additional one hundred thousand dollars on. Well, they could, yeah, yeah, dude, you could be knee deep in the Reno and uncover some problems within the walls that you're like, oh shoot, <laughs> man. Did the con- yeah, we never found serious, out about dude. the wa- what's in the walls. Though. You never found out too, and this is part of the reason why the neighbors are kind of like. Mm, we never really got a laundry list of the renovations that were actually done. According to some of the neighbors, these po- these folks are saying that they're doing all this work, but, mm, you know, they're like, we're, we're looking at pictures and stuff, and I don't really know what, quote-unquote, renovations they're doing. Well, my, my thing on that, though, is like if you do if you do start doing some, some research into this, the big sort of, and again, it's like, it, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing it up, but I think it is with done with like a – sort of very debunker sort of spirit is they're saying I, I actually haven't even seen any that have said like the buyer's remorse sort of reasoning. They everybody says, oh well they did all of this so that they could eventually sell their story and it would make money and be on Netflix. Which I just mm-hmm. it's like That's also one of them, yeah. The odds but, of that happening are so slim. I mean dude the odds of Selling a show or a movie to already, now, you know, 2014, I guess, might be a little different, but the odds of selling a good story that's complete, you know, mm-hmm. to Netflix is already 
you know, difficult. So if, I mean, either, which again, they could be, dude. No. They could be idiots. But, you know, I, I don't no think they are. But, you know, that's just only that, again, that's one of the reasons why people think that that it was them. Some folks said that because this guy was uh, in insurance, and by the way, how dare you, um, <laughs> that he was cooking up some sort of like insurance fraud I mean, type scheme. He is, his, um, his, uh, he's the v- senior VP of the company that's stationed mm-hmm. out of Bermuda. I, so that was weird. Um, we already talked about that. I'm just yeah, I'm yeah. throwing shade at Woody for yeah, working for the for man. being in insurance. So, but like, you know, a lot of the neighbors are kind of just like, you know, even even stuff like, um, I think there's like a local paper, paper called The Leader that essentially kind of cast doubt on Maria's comment about her family's safety and, and being anonymous and stuff and trying to keep their kids under wraps because like at the time she had a fully public pay, uh, Facebook page with a photo of all of her kids and their names. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's totally normal though. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, and I agree. It's just a lot of folks were kind of skeptical. Now, do I think they were kind of being unfair about it? Yeah, because you start to read some of the other stuff and it's like, I mean, and again, this reminds me of the dude that stood up in the middle of a right. freaking official meeting and says, my dad told me mm-hmm. that this was a an ancient Indian burial ground. One of the quotes from a neighbor is, how does someone go from a $300,000 house to $1.3 million house in 10 years? Um... That's not, I mean, that's just, that's not that, that's not that outlandish to me. I mean, at all. Well, and, and again, like a lot of these, a lot of these articles, like sort of spinning out of this are, I mean, it's kind of a, an immature mentality when that whole like eat the rich and like, oh, he must be bad or nefar- mm. nefarious because he's rich. and like, Nefart. I, I think I said nefarious before. And then I apologize for it the, the following episode. But like, okay. it's like, that's not really the case. It's like. It's easy to sort of villainize like the rich, mm-hmm. but it's like for all we know, the dude's working like ninety hour weeks. Yeah, you know, I yeah. think that's stupid. But I mean, the writer, the who we can call the watcher now. I mean, he was even kind of in that thing, so right? Maybe exactly. It's just like yeah. maybe that's just like sort of again going back to this older generation that's living there currently, being kind of ticked and jealous potentially and envious. Of a younger family moving in and having the means to do so. Yeah, and then and then also, it, which again, I mean, I don't even think about that, but that that actually lends even more credibility to maybe it is Michael Langford because now the dude's in his sixties, he's still living with his ninety year old mom mm-hmm. and his, all his brothers and sisters next door, and maybe you know maybe like he talks about running through the halls when he was a kid and stuff in the sixties, so maybe. Maybe his dad said, you know, and, and one day, like, this house will be yours and you'll be a, a productive citizen and you'll have your own family and money and you can live in this house next door to the house you grew up in. Right. It just kind of like, you know, if, if you're if you're looking at, like, motivation, it kind of, you know, that sort of makes sense from that angle. And, you know, I think Derek and Maria both were kind of just flabbergasted at the fact that the neighborhood and town were so quick to kind of just immediately sort of almost vilified them and point the finger at them, uh, you know, rather than kind of just accepting the fact that maybe there's a menace in that town, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Derek said is, you know, he quotes, he says, there's a natural tendency to say, hey, I've lived here for 35 years. Nothing's happened to me like this. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, actually, if you look into Westfield, New Jersey, one of the most kind of just insane true crime things happened back in 
1971, this guy named John List. Mm. I don't know who lived in Westfield. Basically, and this is real gruesome. So if you are at all affected by gruesome stuff, this is your chance to kind of, you know, Is this a serial forward. killer thing? That name sounds really familiar. Well, no, the guy, like, he was kind of having a rough financial situation. He, you know, was high, sort of hyper-religious and ended up coming in, killing his wife and mm. three children and the grandma yeah. in this house, leaving a record that was playing hymns full blast and lights on and just left the house and then was on the run, dude, for 18 years. And then finally in 1989, all of you 80s kids will remember this show, America's Most Wanted Mm -hmm. ran a segment about him and they actually used this forensic artist named Frank Bender who created this bust of like an aged version of this guy. Mm -hmm. And dude, all, all they had was an old photo of him from like the 70s, right? And so they didn't want to put that. So they used this forensic artist. His thing was so spot on, dude, that when you see the picture of the man as he is when they caught him and this thing that this guy sculpted. It's he, like, he was just an artist that just... Yep. Wow. Yep. It's amazing, dude. But anyways, they caught him. So that just kind of like goes to show like, hey, look, just because you think, oh, this has never happened to me in my neighborhood... Well, yeah, it probably has. You just don't know about it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so a lot of these folks that were so diehard sort of like, nothing like that happens here. You know, we've been here for 60 years. Whoops. They, I guess they forgot about the guy, huh? That was like, killed his entire family and peaced out and was free for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Let's start getting to the silver lining here. Yeah. Eventually, the Broadduses, starting in 2017 or 2018, were able to find... They, they try to sell it multiple times. People would show up. They would kind of tell them about the letters. They would even show them because they didn't want to get into a legal battle mm-hmm. that they had been in with whoever they sold it to. They would show them the letters and these people would be like, oh, and just never, they would ghost them. Yeah. You know, they never call them back. Well, eventually, reason. finally, they were able to get some renters in. Now, during this time, after that last letter, they didn't hear any more. Right. Which is interesting Mm -hmm. because, again, that really does play to the fact that, hey, maybe it's a neighbor that understands that's either already being investigated Mm -hmm. or just knows that the heat is on a little bit. But but, but the Broadduses are completely gone. They're not in the home at this point. They're they're with his wife's parents. But they would still kind of go there. They maintain the property, you know, that kind of thing. So it wouldn't be impossible. Which, which, by the way, that alone tells me that it was not the Broadduses, knowing Mm -hmm. that, like, not only do you have to just not live in this million-dollar house that you have, then you also have to go back as a 40-year-old man with three kids. Then you're going back to stay with the in-laws. Oh, man. Sucks. That sucks. We've done it, and it's not them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, they get a renter, and... Even boy, if he is a shady no, insurance guy. Come on. <laughs> they get some tenants, and, well... Uh, wouldn't you know it, not long after that, Mm -hmm. they get a letter. Yep. When Derek kind of went back to 657 to deal with some squirrels or something that were, that were in the roof, Mm -hmm. the renter hands him an envelope that had just arrived. And it says, Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his winch of a wife, Maria. 
You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, you idiots. Maybe you've even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you're too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day, after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. All hail the Watcher. Uh, yeah, it, well, two things. I kind of feel like, because this is definitely, definitely ratcheted up full, full blast. This feels a little bit, I, well, one of two things. I think either this is just somebody else just sort of doing a copycat deal, you know, kind of mm. like playing a role. Because it does. But how would they know, like, when he's coming back, dude? Well, I mean, it's, it, that's what I'm saying. It's different in tone. It's different in, uh, well, th- that's the thing. The renters are the ones who handed it to him. So Right. And the renters said, like, hey, uh, this, this came, like, a few days ago. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. They they would have known that like, hey, eventually your your tenants are gonna would give you that mm. because more than likely they were still receiving mail there, so they probably had a a stack of mail for the Broadduses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this, I mean, this to me feels like it could be either someone else doing a copycat thing because it's definitely like way over the top, or the dude is like becoming a little more unhinged. Because, like, talking yeah. about, like, the soldiers of 657 and, like, they finally did it and, like, like they restored the soul to the house. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't totally understand what that even means. But To me, also, it kind of, it kind of reflects the, the theory that I have that he has a way to kind of, like, listen and, and watch in the house without having to be there physically. Because he would know maybe by listening to a phone call from the renter kind of saying like, hey man, can you come out and check this out? I think we've got some squirrels. Mm-hmm. And then he sends that letter in time for Derek to to read it. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You know? Now, some other stuff that kind of happened, which kind of sucks for Derek, because after the city planning committee and all that had turned him down and they had lost case after case after case. The neighborhood actually kind of got anonymous letters. 
people in the neighborhood. This is where mm-hmm. the letters were also typed, and they don't say what they said. But essentially, it kind of does say that the letters were typed and were signed friends of the Broadus family. Mm-hmm. And that it indicated that... Um, the recipient uh, Like clear the Broadus's name, kind of. Well, that, but also it. I, I read where those letters were kind of like, hey, like give it a rest or turn yourself in or or to the watcher, right? You know, like if you yeah. were the Roger, the watcher, yeah, if you were the Roger, the ra- rancher, if you were Roger Rabbit, mm. yeah, and and unfortunately, as the, the author of this article on thecut.com mentions, as they're kind of looking at these, the writer asks Derek whether he had written them. And oddly, he pauses for a moment and admits that he had. Yeah. And of course, the letters I'm talking about are the ones that were sent out way later, you know, oh. signed friends of the Broadus family or whatever. Right. This was just sent like yeah. all around the neighborhood. To- yeah. I'm not talking about the Watcher ones. Right. I'm talking about the ones that everybody got. And mm. he said that like he wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife about yeah. it. And he just was basically saying like, look, man, I've been, I was driven to my wits end. Yeah. It was one kind of power move I could make in, in in trying to kind of, if the watcher lives in the neighborhood, potentially reach he or she mm-hmm. and have them know that I'm that I don't like you know yeah and well well again, and also I think again you got to look at it through the lens of okay at this point this has been happening over like years the dude is back living with his wife's older parents you know, three kids, he's successful, but he's basically has an over a million dollar home that is still mm-hmm. being currently renovated that they're not even able to live in because of some, the off chance that some weirdo in the neighborhood is going to do something to, to him or his family. And so just imagine the amount of like stress you would be feeling of that. And also you're, you're just, you're bleeding out financially because, mm-hmm. You know, all your you're still paying property taxes. You're still paying and the mortgage. The mortgage. You're still paying all yeah. these things in a house that you're not even able to live in. So it's like I I get it, but at the same time, it sucks. The good news is, real quick, they were able to finally sell the home. In fact, I think it sold in 2021. Yep, it did. Think. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I don't know, because it was impossible to find, was whether or not the folks that live there now are getting any letters now. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm hoping we get from the show. Well, here's the thing. If they are, then it'll tell us something. If they aren't, it'll also help us conclude something. Because right. what I found is this. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Peggy Langford passed away in Westfield in February of, I think, 2020. Michael passed away in April. Ooh. What's strange is, now I'm not saying that this has anything to do with it. It's just interesting. In his obituary, it says that he loved his routine Monday morning walks mm-hmm. where he would walk to the town public library. He loved to play Monopoly, spending time with his family, and handing candy out from his favorite holiday, Halloween. Mm. Michael? <laughs> Michael Myers? Yes, exactly. Dude. I mean, it's it's impossible that those two aren't linked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would be incredibly interested to find out after after he died specifically if if any other letters were still showing up. Yeah, because to the me, tragedy is like it's so easy for somebody to to pull off a copycat situation here. 
Yeah, well, I, I guess, to me, I guess the only way that you could successfully pull it off is if you had access to those previous letters because there's definitely a very unique pattern. Yeah, pattern and way of of writing and mm-hmm. and certain terminology that is like very very unique and mm-hmm. bizarre. And, and perhaps maybe that's why they kind of piecemealed the letters online. You know mm. what I'm saying? Oh yeah, Just that's true. Case. Yeah. All in, man. I mean, like this is kind of a home buyer's and a home seller's worst nightmare. Oh, big time. You don't want to be on either end of this. Yeah. You know, there are some states, I think, I think New York is one of them where like you are supposed to disclose if there are like, <laughs> this kind of reminds me of Nathan for you or whatever, disclose like if there are entities discovered in the home. I think New York and maybe, maybe one or two here in Georgia, man, you know, real estate law, I'm not super, super um, up to date with it because I don't really have yeah. to know much despite the fact that I deal with new homeowners all the time, but whether or not there's a ghost in, or have you received any kind of letters? Um, if you've received any kind of letters like that previously, you know, um, I don't think you have to disclose that here in Georgia. You know what I'm saying, pal? Yeah. I mean, I know that there's, you know, there is that, like if the haunting thing that you have to disclose, but I, I which, you know, I mean, I guess if, if the woods did have to mm-hmm. sort of disclose that, I mean, they did technically, you know, after, yeah, they got the first letter, but I mean, I feel like that's so sort of minor, especially since the Woods did say. I mean, and I'm taking their word for it, but they did say it was a little weird. But the person was just talking about how they had watched over the house for years and years before, and there was no like actual anything threat, right? Like, 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 like they didn't say, "Hey, if you don't move out, I'm going to kill you." You know, yeah. it, it was more just like strange, weird, uncomfortable. Yes, it's yeah. weird. They make reference to young blood, but he doesn't say, I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Although, man, I, I, I did, this didn't resonate as much before, but for some reason, like now that we're going over this now, it's like that whole, that little line where he says, like, I felt that it was time for them to go and they left because I told them to go. Mm-hmm. Like t- talking about the woods selling the house and leaving. Like that's that's bizarre to yeah, me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's an odd little bit of, like, why would you say that? Like, what would the you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, unless yeah. it was a, I don't know, sort of a brilliant way to, you know, put the blame back on the woods. Yeah. Again, it has to be somebody that knows enough about the people mm-hmm. that own right. the house before, and details about what's going on in the house. So finally, as we begin to wrap this up, mm-hmm. my theory is this. There is some sort of video and audio recording equipment mm-hmm. in that home, in the walls, or whatever, hidden in there. Oh, maybe, and yeah, maybe. this stalker is able to, to see it because then it doesn't matter who lives there. He's gonna, he or right. she is going to know who they are, what their names are, and then they can kind of toy with whoever moves in. That's one theory. Well, I, di- I didn't even think about this real quick before you keep going. The Him making the references of the secrets in the walls, they will eventually find the secrets in the walls. What if in a weird way he was wanting the, you know, the, the contractors or the people doing the renovations and stuff, what if he wanted them to find the the audio device, the bug, the the hidden cameras? Like that's a whole, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're just thinking of it as like, oh, bodies in the walls or something yeah. weird or something like that. But like from this angle that you're talking about, like, because what's going to scare you even more than bodies in the walls, 
doing some sort of renovation and finding hidden cameras in your own house. Yeah, no kidding. That is terrifying. So like, that's a whole other thing that I, I am just now thinking about that, you know, from your theory about like the recording things that, dude, that that could be mm-hmm. a whole other thing. Because dude, then you wouldn't ever have to uh, be in a window, walk around. You don't have to do any right. of that stuff. Yeah. So, so what's your other uh, theory? My other theory is, um, well, that maybe it's just, um, maybe it's a time traveler or supernatural. There we go. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe he's sending these letters from a uh, an alternate uh, dimension. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's probably definitely that. Very yeah. strange. I mean, where where does your uh, th- and and then I got to be honest, man. There is a percentage of me, despite the, I guess, hardships that these folks had to kind of go through. I, I do know homeowners, man, that have purchased homes, and when they discover actual crappy scenarios, when they when they start opening up walls to do renovations, then they discover, oh my god, like I don't even know when that a hundred thousand dollars goes to like, whoops, um, you've got foundation issues. You know, mm-hmm. the frames rotted out. I mean, we're talking about a house that's like over 100 years old. There's going to be some that you find. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I know I have know of people that are just like, I mean, I don't know what we can do here. There's a percentage of me that says like, man, it would be a clever way to kind of be like, I don't know what's going on. Hey, man, we're being threatened. We got to get out of here. Um, I, there's, I, I think that is like so, it's one of those things that's like, it's somewhat easier to like, tie together the the narrative of like oh well then they would have done this and this and this and like but i just man i moving back in with the parents as a 40 year old with you know kids and you know uh, young kids at that you know losing it, i mean even when they sold it in 2019 even then and that was years later they still took a loss of $400,000 and that's still not even counting what was spent on property taxes and renovations. Yeah. So I just, to me, it's like, and again, like you, you look online and like all these things are like, oh, well, you know, it was so he could sell the rights and make a ton of money for the movie. And actually I think that is the, the true silver lining is that they did end up selling their, their story. But they, but the thing is too, is like they were approached. It's not like they were ever looking out to like sell this story. Like they were, approached by uh which i think i think this is where ariel shulman neve shulman from catfish which again synchronicity i think that's where they come in they were trying to get this movie made from the story that they saw in the uh the new yorker Mm. you know and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff with that but like to me it just seems so fantastical and again you're if that were the case you're you're banking on such a small small minuscule chance that something like that would ever happen mm. that you would be able to sell your story and make movies and see and i don't know that i i don't i don't buy that part of it i do i I do buy it in terms of like being able to sue the the seller and just kind of trying to come up with some way to be able to do it mm-hmm. you know but i don't know man it, it's a fascinating story it's so weird and it's creepy as hell man i mean like i don't even know what i would i know what i would do I know exactly what I would do. I would just be like, "Whip, hey man, uh, hey, brrr, hey Tyler, man, mm-hmm. you got a couple of cans of gas and some dirty rags we can use because we're setting this thing on fire. We're burning yeah. it down to the ground." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, my thoughts. 
I think that it was more than likely Michael Langford. Mm. Everything just kind of seems to go in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you and I both, I mean, we're both writers. We both, I mean, write actually a decent amount, especially you being a DM these days. That's Dungeon Master. Mm-hmm. You non-nerds, you normies out there. But we're both writers, and even as writers, like reading some of this stuff, I, you know, and I can consider both of us to have pretty vivid imaginations and a certain, you know, eloquence in our writing or, or whatever. I, this does, there is something about this that does feel, I don't know if authentic is the right word, but there's something about like the prose and, and that does indeed kind of feel sort of older Yeah, in this weird kind of way. Like, I mean, I know that the detectives had kind of mentioned that, but like, I kind of agree as well. I, there is something about it that feels like it's coming from like an older person. So I think it was Michael. I especially too that the the painter I eventually found it you know how I, I mentioned before the, the a worker he was actually the painter had seen chairs set up that were like facing facing the you know the watcher house actually it says that he originally thought it was weird that he saw these chairs but then another day later as he was working he he looked back and he see, he saw an old man sitting in the chair basically feet away from the property line watching the house, just staring in that direction. So to me, that's just sort of bizarre. Mm-hmm. My other thing is, I, and it's weird, I, I I don't know, I don't think it's this, but it is like very sort of dramatic in it, in the prose of these letters. So maybe it is truly authentic, like an older person that's just sort of unhinged and has, you know, sociopath, you know, tendencies or it is like a younger kid who's just really intelligent and is playing off some big trick and, you know, sort of melodramatizing the whole thing. Because, like I said, it does sort of switch in between all these different narratives of like, is it the house talking? Is it is it him talking? Okay, now he's talking about him bring, the house bringing young blood to him. Now, the, then he's talking about him having the, the wood sell it so that the house could bring... Or, or he could bring young blood to the house. Like it's all these weird sort of, like slightly inconsistencies, which to me feel even more so like somebody that's maybe a sociopath or yeah, a, a little unhinged, you know. Which makes it even scarier, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's pretty much where I land. Uh, there is something in that article that talks about when they went around the neighborhood to ask if if people had seen anything. I think the detective actually did find. Two people who had uh, like criminal records for like you know sexual mm-hmm. predatory type behavior. I mean that's scary as is. But other people uh, had mentioned uh, what was the thing? Like there was like a young kid that was there was like a, there was like a a neighbor whose dad would walk around the neighborhood playing the flute. Oh well, I'll save him for that one. That's okay. like the best one. But that's like. like but str- what's weird about him though is his kid married a boy that get this grew up in six five seven Boulevard. Right. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that is, that is pretty weird. Yeah, the flute thing again. All roads lead back to Sam the Sandown Clown, the Harlequin. The Harlequin is related to the Pied Piper. There's an old man in the neighborhood blowing the flute. I mean. The story writes itself. Yeah. So I guess that's it. I love it. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to the show. Like, 
big time mm-hmm. now. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some more details and it'll be neat to see it all kind of like happening on screen. Especially to to be able to see the actual sort of timeline because like I said at the top, Woody and I have sort of parsed together bits. And again, it's from this original article uh, from the cut that like, you know, to keep certain things anonymous, I think they kind of bounced around and, and moved things around. So we sort of parsed it as we the the sort of the timeline should be so yeah it'll be interesting to actually see what we got right what we got wrong in this for sure all right man cool dude got anything else that's it other than uh kind of just to do our normal thing which is uh first off if you got this far you're also Mm -hmm. a fan of uh true crime and weird stuff (laughs) that happens i mean Mm -hmm. that's the thing about this case is it's got the true crime element but it's also got that level of like scary movie that um you know, yeah, like we all, like sometimes we say, like sometimes real life is a lot stranger than fiction for sure, and um, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, super like weird. It. Since it's been such a an extensive episode, we'll cut this short. Go to Instagram; that's where you can find us. We love you guys. Send us DMs if you want to talk. If it's more long form, go to that would be radpod at gmail.com. Send in your stories. Tell a single friend or more about the show. That really helps us out. Leave us a five-star review on all podcatchers. And I guess that about does it. Buy us a coffee, go to our merch store and our link tree. And yeah, so we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it Sure.